the things they didn't do. That's our biblical topic today on Chris Fabry Live, and it's a topic I've been ruminating on for a while. I need your help today as we open the Bible and consider the things they didn't do. Not what they did, but what they didn't do. I'll tell you where this idea came from, and then I want to hear from you. My guess is you may need the encouragement that is straight ahead as we tap that natural resource of Moody Radio listeners once again. It's our greatest natural resource because if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and teaching you. So let's learn together. What do you say? You know, we love to talk about the Bible here at the back fence. So get your dialing finger ready. If you dial, do people dial anymore? Get your punching finger ready (laughs) or just speak to whoever answers the phone to call the number for you. This is Chris Fabry Live. Oh, I have a topic for you today. Online at chrisfabrylive.org. Thanks to Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Gabby T's in the chair today. Laura will be answering your calls. Oh, there's just so much to talk about. First, let me say this. If you are a fiction fan, fan, attend the Christie Awards with me. The Christies are named after Catherine Marshall's book of that same name, Christie. That was a cultural literary juggernaut decades ago. Awards are going to be given out tomorrow evening at 7 Central, and I have hosting duties. So if my internet works, you will see you will see me in my natural habitat where I'm sitting right now. But I'll put a, a coat and tie on if you want. The awards are virtual on Zoom, and we have a link for you, but you have to sign up. And if you go to chrisfabrylive.org, there's a green Christie Awards button. You'll see how listeners of Chris Fabry Live can register free. That's right. An all-expense-paid trip to our virtual awards program featuring Jeanette Oak is going to be there. She's going to speak. Yes, I kid you not. And a whole lot more. A whole lot of other really fine people. And all the nominees and the winners are going to be there. Register today free. But this is the last day to sign up to watch it live tomorrow night. Go to chrisfabrylive.org. Click the green Christie Awards button thing right there. And it, come on, come on with me. Attend. You're not, you don't, you're not going to eat any chicken, you know, at the banquet. We're just going to, she's going to watch. There was a guest speaker on a particular Sunday morning a few months ago. And uh, one of the illustrations to the point he was making about prayer in that service at uh, church was Peter's imprisonment and his release. We now take you live to Acts chapter 12. About that time, King Herod cruelly attacked some who belonged to the church, and he killed James, John's brother, with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter, too, during the days of unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was being made earnestly to God for him by the church. One night before Herod was to bring him out for execution, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between... <laughs> I always always smile at that, and because it, it reminds me of Jesus in the boat. Said, Don't you care? Here he is. He's asleep. Peter is sleeping between two soldiers while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up. Then the chains fell off his wrists. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did so. 
Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed, and he did not know, Peter did not know, that what took place through the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. After they passed the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street, and immediately the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door in the gateway, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the gateway. (laughs) What she didn't do, okay? So that's what she didn't do. The people inside said, you're crazy. But she kept insisting it was true. Then they said, it's his angel. Peter, however, kept on knocking. (laughs) Peter back at the door. Peter's still at the door, just knocking. Come on, let me in. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astounded. Motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he explained to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Report these things to James and the brothers. This is uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus. Report these things to James and the brothers, he said. Then he departed and went to a different place. And the thing that struck me and stuck with me is... This is, first of all, this is another proof of the authenticity of the New Testament. Because if if Rhoda, you know, read this, don't put that in there. Come on. And the people inside that were praying said, what, did we really say that? Yeah. But the part about Rhoda coming to the gate and hearing Peter is just, she's excited. She said, but we've been praying for, he's right there. So my question to you today is the thing they didn't do. For Rhoda, it was open the door. And I'm glad Rhoda didn't open the door immediately for Peter because we see that authentic reaction of the people who are inside pleading with God for Peter's life. At least that's what I'm assuming they were praying. We don't specifically know. We know that they're praying earnestly. But I, you know, I'm surmised if I'd been there, I, I think I would have mentioned it. <laughs> Lord, could you do something miraculous? You know what happened to James? We don't want that to happen to Peter. It's, if it's your will, would you release Peter to us and we'll praise you? Something like that. I would have, would have passed through the synapses. So the knock comes, Rhoda runs back and says, it's Peter. And they think she's crazy. No, I can't. You know, all the, he's chained up and there's the prisoner, you know, there's no way that it can be him. Put yourself in their their place. They're scared. They're deathly afraid. You don't have the power to stand up to these authorities. They can do whatever they want to do to you. So it makes perfect sense that their reaction would be, knowing the jail, knowing the guards, knowing Herod, there's no way that he could get out. They wouldn't have let him go, and he couldn't have escaped. If Rhoda had just opened the door... We would not have known that little insight about what happened behind that locked door. That maybe, maybe, maybe it would have slipped in there, but it wouldn't have been the same way. So I'm glad she didn't open the door. 
Parenthetically, you ever feel that way? You're praying for God to do something and not really expecting anything to happen. You're asking for healing. You're asking for something miraculous. And you're, you're asking, but you're not really expecting anything. On Facebook, I wrote this. Pick a scene from the Bible and tell me what they didn't do. What comes to mind? For me, it's Rhoda, and then I briefly explained this. I'm also glad about the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas that's recorded. I'm glad they didn't patch things up quickly but had to live in the tension of the disagreement. (laughs) Pick a biblical scene and tell me what they didn't do. And tell me what you take away from that biblical scene. Could be Old Testament, could be New Testament. I kind of skew toward the new. Here's the number, 877-548-3675. I got my Bible here. I got my onion skin ready. On Facebook, I see what Esther didn't do. I see something Jesus didn't do in the garden. I see something Jesus didn't do when two women sent word to him. There's another story that I want to talk about today. What they didn't do and why you noticed it, what it says to you. That's our topic. 877-548-3675. You and I are going to take a tour of the Bible today using the examples that you bring up. Somebody who's never called is going to pick up the phone today. I can just feel it. I need to hear from you, friend. 877-548-3675. You can answer on Facebook too. 877-548-3675. The other way you can do this is pick a person who's in the scriptures who has some kind of a a role and and go backwards. Is there anything that they didn't do Uh, in the Old Testament? I think, you know, Joseph, what was it that Joseph didn't do? Or Moses, what did Moses not do? Uh, Let's see, the, the Thomas, Thomas. What did Thomas not do? I'm not going to answer the question now. You've got to, you've got to give me yours, 877-548-3675. Anna says on Facebook, Esther didn't immediately go to the king. I'm happy because she actually fasted and gave time to God before jumping into possible death. She gave God his time first. Um. And then Gabriel, I like what Gabriel says. Let's consider the scene of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here's what Jesus didn't do, and it's crucial. It's as crucial as what he did. He didn't give in to his human desire to avoid suffering. Despite his intense agony, where he prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. He didn't choose his own will over the Father's. He submitted, saying, Yet not as I will, but as you will. This act of not choosing his own comfort reveals the depth of his obedience and submission. Central themes in understanding the character of Christ and the nature of true discipleship. So, Gabriel, that's that's really well thought out. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Anna, you too. How about Claude in Miami, Florida? Hi, Claude. Go right ahead. Hi. Good afternoon, Chris. Um, 
I wanted to mention that Anna, when she was in the temple and just crying out to God for a baby, did not focus on the offense or didn't get defensive when Eli said, you know, why are you drunk at this time? She didn't um, focus on that. Instead, she just stated her request, why she was pulling her heart out, why she looked drunk. And she got the answer to her prayer, I think, because of that attitude, because she did not focus on the offense. Yes. And that she very could. Uh, and, and today, you know, <laughs> in my life, how often do I do I knee jerk react, you know, to somebody on the phone or somebody uh, in a store or, you know, if, if people that you know and care about and they'll say something and you just react to it. And she didn't do that. Why do you think she didn't? Oh, wow. She was better than me. <laughs> Definitely. But um, I think it's a lesson for us um, that we don't be quick to defend ourselves all the time like Jesus did not. And and it's something that I often meditate on because I'm always quick to defend myself. Um, so to me, it's a lesson. Um, and through her, I see when we focus on what we need or what we are asking God or what is um, of God in the in someone's response, even when we are wrongly accused, mm-hmm. um, then we touch the heart of God. Yeah. And sometimes, you know what I've found, Claude, is that sometimes when an, if someone will say something, uh, that they will judge my motives about something that may be totally untrue. What's happening is it's coming from them. It's coming from the other person, and they're 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 seeing their own motives and reading that into the other person's life. And so you're mm-hmm. learning a little bit about something about them. Not every time, and you can't judge a person for that. You know, they could they could be right too. You know, at, at, in some cases they could be right. So you have to be open to that. But um, I think you've you've really hit on a really important thing, and thanks for calling about Hannah today. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. What they didn't do, so she didn't revile, she didn't push back, she didn't accuse somebody else. Who's the person in the scriptures that that you that comes to your mind? Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Next up in Tennessee is Justin. Hi, Justin. Hey, Chris. How are you? Doing what? Doing really well. Glad you called. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, I think you might have hit on one of my favorites, but uh, the one about Rhoda and answering the door, um, you know, in uh, not not believing what she saw <laughs> for praying for Peter's. I think it was Peter's deliverance. But another one that struck me, and I'll, I'll hang up the phone and listen to what you had to say about it, uh, uh, but the, the passage that came to mind also that I really love is uh, where Peter was told by Jesus that he would deny him three times. And he he uh, told Peter, um, you know, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. I've always found it interesting that the, that the Son of God didn't intervene to stop Peter from doing exactly what he told him he was going to do. And then goes even above and beyond that to restore him to himself in love by asking him again, 
you know, multiple times about Peter loving him after he has denied him. So there's there's probably more depth there than I can mm. comprehend myself, but that that passage has always, you know, been a comfort to me in failings, not that they're a good thing, but that I think the Lord has something even in and through those that he knows he's accomplishing in us that we can't even see in ourselves. But I'll I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts on that as well too. Well, so. well just in the just that idea of Jesus predicting this, you know, saying this to Peter, this is going to happen, him knowing that. If Peter lives his life with, I have to measure up, I have to get it right, I have to always do the right thing, I got to live by the law, and and if I fail, then I've, I'm a failure. You know, if that's the way he lives, then once he denies, and then the second time and the third time, which is what Jesus said he was going to do. Once he does that, then he is a failure. And and imagine how he felt. But look at the yeah. grace and the mercy. You know what I love about the restoration is that food was involved. Jesus was making breakfast for him. <laughs> yeah, right. Isn't that yeah. good? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's not only, you know, hey, Peter, you're okay. I put an arm around you. Now, now be better next time, you know. It's Peter... I I love you. I have a great plan for you going ahead. You have no idea there's going to be some night when you're, you're chained to these guards and it's going to fall off and the gate's going to open up. This is going to happen to you. I'm going to work in you. And he lo- I yeah. love you enough to make, make a, a breakfast for you. And we're going to have fellowship. This does not, this is not the end. Your failure yeah. is not the end. It's, it's the beginning the of something new. And yes. I, I yes. want to shout that to myself, first of all, Justin, and I want to shout that to anybody who's listening, that if you feel like you've fallen so far short of what God wants you to do, you're right. Absolutely. You're right. But it ain't over because grace is there to pick you up and bring Amen. you in. Isn't that good news? Amen. It is good news. And what a loving Savior. Amen. So, Justin, what do you do? I do uh, health and safety. Health and safety. What does that mean? Yeah. I like uh, occupational health and safety work. Oh, so you go around to different businesses and kind of test out and see if they're up too high or too low? Kind of, yeah. Keep guys safe on the job, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you wear a hard hat every day you go to work? And not every day, but a lot of days, yeah. yeah. Yep. Good for you. Well, thank you for your work, and uh, glad you called in. Have you ever called in before? Uh, maybe once before. I can't okay. remember, but this is uh, yeah, definitely the first time I remember calling in. But yeah. I might have tried to call in before. <laughs> well, you remember this one, because this was a good one. God bless yeah. you, Justin, there. Yeah. And, uh God bless you, the work that you're doing there in uh, Tennessee. All right. What is something that they didn't do? Shall we talk with Nolan in Michigan? Hello there, Nolan. How in the world are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I don't know that I've ever talked with a Nolan. I've never had Nolan Ryan on the program before. Do you know who you were <laughs> named for or why Nolan is your name? Uh, it might have had something to do with Nolan Ryan. I know that it's just a name that my family really liked. So, yes. 
Well, and how many how many kids are named who grew up in the '90s are named Jordan? <laughs> you know, uh, you just you you have those things happen to you. All right, Nolan. So, why did you call today? Uh, so, I was thinking about Genesis 18 and how Abraham was talking to God and uh, kind of pleading with him and saying, you know, oh, if there's this many people left, if there's that many people left uh, who still believe in you in Sodom and Gomorrah will you not destroy it? And God answered, I won't, you know, he didn't say, Oh, I'll destroy it anyway, even though my believers are there. He said, I'm not going to. And so I thought that like really spoke to how much God cares about his people and just kind of really, that's just a passage that I thought really shows his attributes. Well, and and one of the things that's going on there is if it seems like um it seems like there's this uh negotiation that's going on. Hey, what about this? And if I do if we find this and it's okay, and if I but but really what we're you get down to is and the uh the scriptures teach that none of us are righteous. There's not one who really follows after after God. And if there's only if there's fifty or if there's forty and you and you whittle it down, how about just just this? If we could just find that, and I think you're right. I think there's a there's an aspect of this that shows the compassion of God, the ability for God to listen to His servant as well. Because I think a lot of people think, well, you know, God's I pray, but they're not. He's not really listening to me. Just like the Rhoda situation, the people who are praying there, ah, you're crazy. That can't be Peter. <laughs> you know, um, we we pray, but we don't think God is really listening, or that He's not really powerful enough to do what we're asking Him to do. And and He is. And I, I'm glad you brought that up, Nolan. Now you tell me what what do you uh, normally do day to day? Uh, well, right now I'm in my senior year of high school and no, I'm doing, uh, you are not. Yeah. That's fantastic. You sound like you're <laughs> about 35. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that from time to time. And, uh, and what are you hoping to do after school? After you graduate, do you have a, a plan in, in place? Um, it's not super set, but I want to do something both in ministry and in film. Hmm. So kind of however that works out, I'll just kind of let God guide me. Yeah. There are so many more opportunities now than when I was growing up, you know, and I was in the same situation that you were thinking about what's ahead, especially if you want to do something in media, in film and ministry with the advent of the internet and with, you know, this with, with just all of the avenues that are out there, it's just so much more. It used to be, you had to go here. You had to do this. This was the track that you had to go on. And now if you are creative and you're open to where God's going to lead you, there are so many ways that he can use you in that. So uh, I, I, I really pray that you will just be a real attuned to what he wants for you each step of the way. And uh, I, I'll resist giving you advice and just say that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I appreciate God, that. God bless you, Nolan. Glad you called. I think that's the first high school senior who's called all day. And I like it. Here's the number, 877-548-3675. 
We don't have time. Vanessa, you hang on. I'll get to you after we take a break. If you're just tuning in and you're wondering, what are they talking about? We're talking about the things they didn't do. What didn't happen? Let me give you an example. Jared, and we've got to talk about this one, and I'll just talk about it myself if nobody else calls in about it. Jesus didn't visit Lazarus when he was on the th- when Lazarus was on the threshold of death. Have you pondered that? Have you pondered Mary and Martha sending word, our brother is sick, the one you love is sick, Jesus didn't go to him. What about this one? When the leper is healed, there's 10 of them that are healed. The one didn't follow the others. He came back and he gave thanks and praise to the one who had healed him. The nine didn't. You can analyze either one of those. You can analyze the nine who just walked away. And and to say something about them, they were obeying what they were told to do. Go and present yourself. But it was the tenth, it was the one out of the ten who turned around and said, wait, hang on. <laughs> I got I got some thanksgiving. I got some praise to do to the one who's healed me. So what about you? What they didn't do, 877-548-3675 is our number. 1-877-548-3675. Or go over to Facebook if you get a chance or if you're listening to the podcast at another time. Go to the pod, uh, go to the website and go to Facebook and answer the question right there. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. More straight ahead. Thanksgiving is a week away, a week from tomorrow. How in the world did that happen? And we have an awful lot to be thankful for. I'm looking over my list here with all that's going on in the country, especially over the issue of abortion, and there's a lot. I'm thankful for CareNet. If you don't know, they are a pro-abundant life gospel-infused ministry that cares for the unborn, as well as the mother and the father going through an unplanned pregnancy. Something like a million babies since 2008. A million pregnant women who didn't go the route, take the easier route. They have a network of 1,200 pregnancy centers that serve more than 300,000 women and men every year with free ultrasounds, pregnancy tests, coaching, counseling, material support, parenting education. You might know somebody who needs to hear about CareNet. Click CareNet at chrisfabrylive.org today. chrisfabrylive.org is a green button right there. Click CareNet, and you can find out more for yourself or someone you care about. We're talking about what they didn't do. Vanessa is in Forest Park, Illinois. Hi, Vanessa. Go right ahead. Hello. Um. Yeah, I've always been impressed with the scripture in the book of Acts, the third chapter, verses 6 and 7, I believe. It's the um, account where Peter and someone else, I always forget who's with him, but they're going into the temple, and there's a man there who can't walk, and he's asking for, you know, donations, asking for money. And he sees Peter and his companion and he asks, and Peter responds, um, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have, 
we give to you. And he gives a healing command, he tells the man, to walk. Now, what I like about the scripture is that Peter didn't just stand back and wait for something to happen, wait for the man to jump up on his feet and start walking, Mm -hmm. something like that. (laughs) Peter reached out his hand and grabbed the man's hand and helped him up to his feet. And you know and what? It, it always, says after that, it says, so he jumped up, stood, and started to walk. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's like to me, it's always stuck in my mind. We have to do more. In some instances, in some cases, we have to do more than just, you know, preaching and teaching. Maybe we have to actually get involved with the situation. Maybe we mm. have to reach out our hand and do a little more, go beyond just um, giving Jesus. So That's I good. That is, no, I, that, that'll he preach. Didn't, he didn't, that'll he preach, didn't, Vanessa. He didn't I like back. it. <laughs> it was Peter and John. Peter, along with John, looked at him intently. Well, let me go back, because this is, this is too good. Uh, Peter and John were going up together at the temple complex of the hour of prayer at three in the afternoon. See, that's the other thing I love. It's like specifically, it was three in the afternoon and a man who was lame from birth was carried there and placed every day at the temple gate called Beautiful so he could beg from those entering the temple complex. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for help. Peter, along with John, looked at him intently. Look at us. See, that's the other thing they, they did. He didn't just reach out and touch him. He said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, as you just said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up, stood and started to walk, and he entered the temple complex with them, walking leaping and praising God uh, and all the people around there. So, so you know what that says to me, Vanessa, is that there are there are people who are hungry, ready, willing, and just unable to do what they want to do until they're empowered by by God himself. And and I know a lot of people mm-hmm. take that in the you know in, in the healing and it's and it's fine you can take it that way but what I'm thinking of is the fellow that we talked with yet last week who you know he had read the Bible he was basically an atheist and he dealt drugs and he did all kind of stuff and people just started loving on him and inviting him to church and he heard the gospel and he realized that that's what he needed. He needed that forgiveness. And it's almost like he jumped up and ran, <laughs> ran to the baptismal pool, you know, and, and, uh, and was baptized. That's a life changer right there. What you described. Well, yeah, it's always impressed me like that. Just yeah. don't stand back. Give them what you got. You got Jesus and then get involved. Maybe they need a little more help. Yes. A little more help to get on their feet. Reach out a hand. There's Vanessa in Illinois, what they didn't do. Uh, and I love all the guys who are calling here today, too. Not that I don't like female, the women calling, but I love it when guys, especially uh, high school seniors, call. Brad is in West Palm Beach, Florida. Hi, Brad. Tell me why you called today. Hey, Chris. Uh, I wanted to just uh, point out and just 
when Jesus uh, did not condemn the woman who was caught in adultery. He so he did not do that. Tell me that story as you know it. What what's what's it all about? Well, just how the woman was um, about to be stoned by the the rulers and the teachers of the day, the, the religious leaders. But um, not only did Jesus answer, you know, that he would not condemn her, but answered it uh, brilliantly in the sense of uh, saying, you know, whoever of you is without sin should uh, throw throw the first the first stone, and uh, they. They began to walk away with the uh, oldest ones first. Is that correct? I think that's I think that's pretty close. Yeah, it's John chapter eight, and what they were doing. Jesus knew what they were doing. They were trying to trap him. It wasn't that they were so concerned about this, you know, this woman and her sin. They wanted him. You know, this was a this was a trap to him, so that they could accuse him. And, you know, he he bends down, he writes on the ground with a finger. And there's a lot of conjecture about what that means, too. What I love about that story is what he says to her, because we know what he says to them. And, you know, those without sin cast the first stone. But he looks at her when they've gone and he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? <laughs> is no one? Is there nobody here to throw? Where did they all go? I wonder where they went. And yes. there's there's just compassion, and there's understanding, and there's there's no hint of you dirty sin. You know, looking down over his nose at her at all. And she says, "No one. There's there's no one here, Lord." And he says, "Neither do I condemn you." And I I like it. You know, that he does say, kind of like uh, we just heard, reaching out the hand, go and from now on, do not sin. You know, go and sin no more. You don't have to be trapped in this life uh, that you're that you're leading because it's not being not, not good for you. So it wasn't like he just looked the other way. I ah, don't worry about it. No. And, and there was a sense, too, I think I read into it that he knew that it was for a this woman and others like her anyone who would turn to him, that he's going to have to slog up that hill and carry that cross yeah. and be nailed to it for her and the the people who think they have everything in their life okay. I It's just a beautiful story, isn't it? Yes, for sure. And I wanted to ask you, Chris, what do you think? Can I give you an idea for a show? Okay, yeah, absolutely. I got my 4 by 6 card here right now. I'm ready to... You're my clicking my pen. Okay. What what do you, what do you think about um, having Johnny Erickson, um, you know, take requests for for singing? She's such a beautiful <laughs> voice. You know what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you the truth. But it's just you can't tell anybody because this is a secret. Right. Okay. Um, I spoke with Johnny yesterday, um, and she has had in the last few months she's had pneumonia twice. A double pneumonia, I think it is, twice. And so when I talked with her yesterday, she was having a really hard day. And I almost said, Johnny, let's not do this. If you And, and she wanted to. She wanted to talk about uh, whatever I wanted to ask her. She's written a new book called The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, uh, Meditations on the Nearness of the Savior. 
But And we're going to air that, I think it's next Tuesday. So listen next Tuesday. You're going to hear Johnny. And guess what happens during the program? She breaks out. She starts to sing, especially toward the end of the program. And I said, Johnny, there's, there's, you, there's another hymn. You need to sing another hymn. So you will hear Johnny sing uh, next Tuesday here on the program. What do you think of that, Brad? Sounds great. <laughs> you be listening. Thanks. You be among the people who tune in and listen. Brad in West Palm Beach, I'm expecting you there. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. Oh, we got some great stories to get to, great people in the scriptures and what they didn't do. And you'll hear more about that straight ahead. Go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Have you given a gift? Go to the website. You'll see what we're offering you this month on the program. I am looking for a friend or a partner to call me up today or to go online and support the program. If you enjoy the conversations that we have, become a friend or partner by giving a gift. Partner gives each month. A friend gives a one-time gift. And this month, if you give a gift of any size, we're sending my new novel. uh, We published it a week ago, last Tuesday. And already I'm hearing from people who are saying, you know, I, I liked it on one level just as a story, as kind of a mystery, a murder mystery story that is about this man who's trying to figure out his life. I liked it on another level because it deals with an issue that I've dealt with, which is Alzheimer's. Because I have a friend or I have a family member. Or let me tell you about my mom. Let me tell you about my dad. There is something like six million people who are dealing with Alzheimer's, and then everybody around them is dealing with it as well. And so I came up with a main character. His name is Grayson Hayes. Saving Grayson is the title. Saving Grayson. And he is encountering the grace and the mercy and the love of God through his family, but they are feeling the pushback. Um, they're, they're, they're the ones who are struggling with his inability to receive that grace. I think it will touch a nerve if you give it a chance. <laughs> so give a gift of any size. I'd love to see some folks, even this afternoon, who would go on and say, send me that. Send me a call. I'll re- I didn't even know you. I thought you just talked on the radio. Well, I do some things in my spare time. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org. I'd love to send it to you. Or 866-95-FABRY, 866-953-2279. Bridget's in Miami, Florida. Bridget, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Hi, Chris. Oh, this is great. I'm calling in because I I immediately thought about the 10, the parable about the 10 wise and the 10 foolish virgins. Yes. Yeah. And in that, um, it was really something because they were given instructions and they were told what to do, get their lamps, um, get their oil, and those half were prepared and half weren't. And I think some of the points at different stages, you know, in my life, I've like understood a different part of the parable every time I either read it, study it or what have you. But the one thing that resonated when you said this was that the ones that weren't prepared, ask the other ones, please, can you give me some oil? And they told them, no, we can't. We were given instructions and the bridegroom is coming and we can't. So, of course, 
the ones that were ready and they had what they needed, they were able to move forward and meet with the bridegroom. But the ones that weren't were left behind. And I think it's a, a message to us all that we have to listen and follow the instructions that God gives us. And yes. when we don't, sometimes we get those consequences. Exactly. And to, you know, and I've always looked at that, you know, with my kids, you know, I'll have half a cookie so that you can have half a cookie or, you know, make a sacrifice. And why couldn't they just have given the, you know, it's like I, I look at it through that prism, but I think you're right. That there are, if you don't follow what God says, there will be logical consequences to what is going on in your life, and there, and there, and, and He doesn't protect you from those consequences uh, that happen. Uh, so let me leave it right there, Bridget. Thank you. Got a number of people on the line. Evie in California. Hi, Evie. What did you want to say today? Hi. Um, what I was have been really impressed with is how Jesus didn't deny uh, that there is anguish and sadness and real emotions in his humanity, and therefore, like, modeled for us that it's a good idea to sit well with people through those emotions and those struggles and difficulties as being human. Because when I think about him going to the cross and that he actually said, you know, Father, if you're willing, you remove this. It's like he didn't just go, hey, I'm God. I've got this. I know the plan. It was like he allowed for the struggle. He didn't deny the anguish and the struggle. And kind of the same thing with like Lazarus and Lazarus dies, like him being able to like show up and actually weep. He yes. didn't just go in, well, I'm God. I'm going to raise this person. So what are y'all upset about? Like he didn't deny the humanity of the moment and the sadness and the anguish. He, he entered into that. And I feel like it models for us this beautiful way of being with people in the hard uh, times of life. Um, and I love that about him. Yeah, because a lot of people who are going through really hard times, we want to rush them to feel something that they can't at the at that moment. Or yeah. living yeah. in the tension, I mentioned about Barnabas and Paul, living in the tension of a disagreement where you both have a way of looking at this and moving forward, you know, you see, you see some resolution later on, but at the time they, they were so vehemently against each other that they parted company. It's like, how can you do that? Mm -hmm. Holy spirits in both of them. I think what you pointed out about Jesus, and I wanted to get to Lazarus at some point, the authentic human experience of Life is yeah. hard. God is good. That's what was going on with Lazarus. That's what was going on in the cross for the joy set before him. You know, it's like, the, how can you say mm -hmm. the the cross is the joy set before him? It's not. Well, the the result of the work that he's done when he said it is finished, that's what he was yeah. moving toward and working for us at his expense. Uh Great call, yeah. Evie. Thank you for doing that today. Thanks. Let's go to uh, Nancy in Grays Lake, Illinois, the great city, the great little town. Whatever, Nancy, is it a town? Is it a village? Is What is Grays Lake? I, I think it's a city, but I'm really not sure. <laughs> we'll call it a city then. So why did you okay. want to, what did you want to talk about? Um, I wanted to talk about Moses, but... But first, Chris, I just want to thank you for always making us think so deeply about our scriptures. It, ah. That really helps me a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and 
what I want to talk about Moses is sort of goes back to what Bridget was talking about, about consequences. When, when the Lord told him, when the Israelites were complaining about not having water in the desert, and um, the Lord told him, just speak to that rock and water will come out. And um, Moses was, um, I think, had kind of a temper tantrum. And so he struck the rock rather than speaking to it. Um, So my first thought about that is um, what Bridget said about consequences. Just that act of temper um, didn't allow him to go into the promised land and, um, and to obey what God tells us. Now, it would be really nice if, you know, we could hear God as clearly as Moses did, so we would know exactly what to do. We don't. But still, um, when he tells us to do something, we usually know it, and mm. it's just so important to obey him. Yeah. And the concept, that has always felt like, well, you know, he tried, <laughs> you know, and those people were uh-huh. really vexing, you know, they, this was, and I agree with you about the, it was the, it was an anger. It was almost a sense of control that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm using this to show them that I have the power and eh, maybe wrong right. about that. But there's, but there's, there's no, more right. going on there than just, hey, you didn't do it exactly right. You know, there was, there was something inside that God saw that was a consequence. And yet, aren't you glad that, that God gave him a peek, though? You know, he took him up on oh, the mountain. Absolutely. Isn't that great? Um, yes. We have, a, we have a good God who wants to do, he wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to show you um, what is in your life. And I thank you, Nancy. He wants to show you the distance between where you are and where he is and the bridge, the uh, expanse that he um, eclipsed with the cross to give you forgiveness. There's one other, James on Facebook said, I was talking about the demoniac and uh, the man of the tombs, the Gadarene demoniac. He says he didn't follow Jesus. But you know why he didn't follow Jesus? Because Jesus said, no, don't come with me. You go back home and you tell them what the Lord has done for you. And that's what he chose to do. How many people responded to that message because of what Jesus did for that man and how he told them about the Lord? Oh, this was a good program. Thanks for listening. Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Have a great day.